Hey there. Welcome to episode 24 of ATL on 29, the podcast that looks at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. We're recording here on a Friday afternoon. The Hawks are in the midst of a six-game homestand, and their next three games are against the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Indiana Pacers, and the Golden State Warriors. So somewhere in between games against the best team in the East and the best team in the West, the Hawks welcome back Jeff Teague, who played here as a Hawk for seven seasons. With that in mind, today we welcome Peyton, who is at that's underscore so underscore Peyton on Twitter, and she's undoubtedly one of the best Pacers follows on Twitter. We'll talk about Jeff Teague, what he's meant to the Pacers, and how he compares with ex-Pacers point guard George Hill. We'll talk about the Paul George trade rumors and Frank Vogel's move from Indiana to Orlando. In addition to the Pacers stuff, we'll also hear from Hawk center Dwight Howard on his approach to training both in the offseason and during the grind of an 82-game regular season. Today's episode was made possible by Poli Mortgage Group. Poli Mortgages, rates, integrity, service. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. We are here with Peyton, who is on Twitter as uh, at, at That's So Peyton. And she is one of the best followers on Twitter if you want to know about the Indiana Pacers. And I do want to know about the Indiana Pacers because uh, Jeff Teague is coming to town this weekend. Peyton, welcome, and thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, so I just wanted to start you off with our three quick questions. And so I would ask you first off, out of all the podcasts and all the episodes of podcasts, what's your favorite episode ever? Um, the podcast that I usually listen to is um, ESPN, uh, True Hoop TV, the podcast. Um, I've only really listened to that and a few other ones, and I only started listening to podcasts since, like, late 2016. And there's just so many, and I just – like all their podcasts, but the one I probably like the most I've listened to recently, it was um, on Church of the TV, and it was David Thorpe and Henry Abbott, and they were, like, talking about, um, like, Kevin Durant and Westbrook and, I think, Kawhi, too, and they're talking about basically just finding MVP, and that was cool, and I just, all the Church of the TV podcasts are really great. And then there was one other uh, podcast episode. It was, it was from The Ringer, and it was where um, Bill Simmons was talking to Durant, and that was a really good podcast episode, probably one of my favorites, because uh, Durant was just like, really candid with him and stuff, and he just he opened up a lot about a lot of stuff and all the going to the Warriors from Thunder and all that. So that was probably what, two of my favorites. Yeah, I enjoyed that one with, with Kevin Durant because he really was just – just kind of opened up and laid it all out on the table. Uh, before yeah. we get on to the next quick question, uh, I've got to, I just can't help but ask you, who, who, if you had to pick an MVP today, who would you pick? Uh, James Harden. All right, fair I enough. Any of them. I like Westbrook. I don't like Harden. I don't like, who else was it? Oh, yeah, Kawhi, even though it's kind of hard to dislike, but I just think since, uh, like, Harden almost got MVP a few years ago, and he's just had an insane season this year, even though the Rockets are starting to lose games a little bit to the Pacers. But, you know, uh, I think he just deserves it. And I don't think a uh, two-rebound difference should make him not MVP just because he's not averaging a triple-double. So I think Harden, yeah, Very good. James Harden. 
All right, for your second quick question, what were you thinking when you tweeted? And this goes back to September 9, 2016, and your tweet says, throw back to that crazy shot to win the game. One of the best game winners of all time, to be honest. And then you throw up a couple of flame emojis, and it looks like a video clip that's spliced between a couple of different games. So explain what's going on there. Okay, so um, I'm a Pacers fan, but uh, pretty fond of the Warriors, too. Everyone knows that. They're just fun. I enjoy them, watching them. They just play the right way, and they also play against LeBron. And I just can't help but like the Warriors. But so this pin tweet I have, it's um, it starts out with uh, Kyrie's uh, game seven winning shot and it's like him dribbling up and stuff. And I was that's how it started out with kind of like a lot of Warriors fans follow me on Twitter. And okay. I follow a lot of Warriors fans, so it was like, why are you like posting a picture of Kyrie's shot? We hate this. But then it transitioned <laughs> um, from that like right when he's about to take the shot. Um, last year, Monte Ellis had a game-winning shot from that same spot against the OKC Thunder to win the game, uh. and it transitioned to that one. <laughs> so, like, obviously, Monte Ellis, OKC, game-winning shot, one of the best of all time. So, yeah, former warrior and Pacer legend. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Monte <laughs> really has it all. Well, we'll get back to oh, yeah. Monte in a little bit. But uh, one more quick question. <laughs> Player math, how would you describe a current member of the Pacers as a combination of two current or former players? Okay, so for this, I have uh, Miles Turner. Okay. And even though uh, one of the people I'm adding into this combination is like the same, like they've only been in the NBA for a year, like and a half, like in their second season. But I would say that uh, Miles Turner is kind of like LaMarcus Aldridge and Chris Porzingis combined. Okay. Because like a lot of experts, even before he played that much, they said that uh, Miles could be a lot like LaMarcus and could be or even is maybe even better. And I think he could be better than him just because they have the same kind of shooting and because I think uh, Turner could have um, better defense. And then I would just say Porzingis is like him because they're just similar players because they're young and they both play alongside small forwards with a Melo and a PG. Okay. So um, I think they kind of have the same arsenal where they're like big men shooting threes and they just shoot well in general and mm-hmm. like they block shots and all that. So I would say uh, Porzingis plus Aldridge equals Miles Turner. That's what I would say. That's a that's a good thing to shoot for. Yeah, that's that's a good combination. All right, so one of the other things we usually do is uh, at the beginning of each podcast is I ask each guest to participate in our 100 to 200 segment. The idea here being that I would ask you for some sort of controversial opinion, and we rate it on a temperature scale from 100 degrees Fahrenheit on the low end to the, the scorchier 200 degrees Fahrenheit. And so I would ask you, uh, Peyton, what is your controversial opinion, and, and why do you think that's so? Okay, so for a hot take, um, at the beginning of the season, this is not even Pacers, it was Thunder. I said a full prediction I had was that um, OKC Thunder will win as many games next, which is this season, as Westbrook averages points. And currently, Westbrook is averaging 31 points a game, and they have 34 wins. So, obviously, I thought uh, OKC is going to be a lot worse without Kevin Durant and Serge and all of them. But, so, since that's wrong, that's wrong. I changed it to um, my hot take or bold take is 
that the Pacers will win as many games as Paul George's shooting percentage ends up being at the end of the season. So, like, it's at 44% right now, which okay. means, like, I would think they would get 44 wins, and he's in a slump right now. So if he keeps that slump up, obviously the shooting percentage goes down. And Pacers lost nine of the last 11 games, and he shot 37% over that time. So even though, like, they played really well in their two wins over that span and he still shot bad in those games, I just don't think they're going to play uh, very well and get very many wins if he doesn't pick up the shooting. So that's what I think. Whatever Paul George's shooting percentage ends up being, that's how many wins we'll have, or at least close to that. So. Okay, so if we were doing Westbrook, and his points per game equaling the Thunder wins, I would say that that's pretty controversial. But if we do the latter one, if we do Paul George's shooting percentage and comparing it to the Pacers' wins, I think that's going to be a pretty good match because I think the Pacers, they feel like a 44-45 win team. So I think if I was scoring that, I would probably give it like a 110 or something because that makes perfect sense to me that, that both those numbers would be around 44 or 45. How would you have scored it? Um, I don't think it's that hot of a take. I think it's logical. Obviously, my Westbrook take was really hot because it's wrong. And because uh, there's still more than a month left in the season, and they've already won four more games than he averages points. So I'd say that was like a 200 degrees hot take. But I think my Paul George take is probably, you said, like 110. I would say probably 115 or 110 because even though I don't firmly believe it would happen, like, 100% sure, it's uh, pretty possible that that would happen. That makes sense. Well, yeah. you know, the main reason I wanted to have you on was to talk Pacers, but specifically to talk about Jeff T because he's coming back to Atlanta this weekend. Um, that's kind of a sneaky game for the Hawks because uh, they play the Cavaliers on Friday, they play the Warriors on Monday, and then in between you've got this homecoming game for a guy that was here for seven seasons and who was an all-star and who made the playoffs every year, and he's just kind of getting this ho-hum homecoming in between. Uh, but you've watched a lot more Pacers games than I have this season. What would you make of Jeff's Teague season and, you know, there's 15 points and eight assists and 35% shooting from three? Is he having a good season, not so good season? You know, how would you rate his season to this point? Um, I think he's having a pretty solid season so far. It's a little bit worse than I expected, um, although his assist numbers are impressive. But I guess I just kind of had high expectations because, like, the Hawks won 60 games, like, two years ago. And I thought that, like, the point guard for my team would, like, help us a lot more than uh, he has so far. But um, he has improved a lot from, like, when he first uh, played his first, like, seven or eight games here because, like, um, he had a really terrible start, and everyone was, like, on him at the beginning of the season because, like, only three times in the first seven games of the season he had uh, double-digit points, and he even had zero points against Jeremy Lane and a loss to the Nets on the road. Yikes. But, um, yeah, after, <laughs> like, up until, like, mid-November, he was only, like, averaging 14 a game on 36% shooting, which is, like, bad. But then after, like, mid-November, like, November 15th, he had a really good stretch where he, like, LeBron didn't play, but we played the Cavs, and he, like, outplayed Kyrie Irving and we beat them. And then uh, we won OKC, and he had 30 points and 9 assists on Westbrook. 
even though he had triple double, I still think he outplayed him in that game. So okay. he has shaped up and he's had slumps, but I think he has had a pretty solid season so far. A little worse than I expected, but uh, my expectations were pretty high. So I would say he's had a pretty solid season, if I was being fair. So. Okay. Yeah. Now, you know, the point guard position is an absolutely crazy position because – you know, there are so many great point guards. And if you take, for example, like Dennis Schroeder this weekend, he's going to guard Kyrie one night. He's going to guard, you know, his former mentor in Teague the next game. And then the very next day, he's going to be guarding Steph Curry. And there are so many great point guards to guard. When Teague was here, his defense was, I thought, underrated in the 60-win season. I thought he was, you know, fighting through screens. And, you know, it seemed like the defense was always better with him on the floor. And then last season partly because I think his ankle was bothering him. He, he took a step back. But in Indiana, how would you rate what Jeff Teague has been able to do defensively? Um, well, the Pacers' defense just as a whole isn't good. And really, Paul George and maybe Thaddeus Young are like the only good defenders on the team, really. And so I wouldn't really say uh, Teague's defense has been that impressive because obviously not translating to wins and good team defense. But um, however, after the All Star break, uh, Paul George and all the all of them have uh, implemented a new defense. And except for the game that uh, Paul George didn't get got ejected in in Miami, uh, we've only allowed forty one percent shooting against the Rockets and the Grizzlies and uh, Spurs. Wow. So those are all our top teams. So. Maybe Teague's defense won't be as much of an issue or, like, bad sign or whatever. Sure. But if we're talking about uh, impact defensively, individually, I don't, I haven't seen much that I've been that impressed with. And in our fan zone, like, whenever, like, he has, he, like, gets scored on, like, one time or whatever, they're like, oh, George Hill, when the what, that happened, or whatever, but they're kind of joking. But, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind, kind of. of it's kind of hard not to compare George Hill and Teague, right? Because they were both point guards. They're both going to be free agents this summer. And George Hill was the point guard before Teague got there, and they were effectively traded for each other. So, I mean, that's, it's hard not to compare them. But if you had to pick one of the two, if you had to pick between George Hill and Jeff Teague, who would you want for the Pacers? George Hill. Um, I would say by far, but... If he wasn't going to agree to a contact contract extension with the Pacers, then maybe it wouldn't be by far. But even so, I would say Giorgio, even though they're both free agents and whatever. But yeah, I would say Giorgio, even yeah. though like he was averaging eight assists and like a little tiny thing that like people would complain about with Giorgio was like, oh, we only averaged like three assists, but clearly we're more successful with him than we are with Teague so far. So. Um, yeah, George Hill. I would say George Hill over Teague. George Hill is one of those players, right? Like, he doesn't necessarily do the things that result in big numbers, but it always feels like the team's a little bit better when he's out there. Yeah. It, it's funny. This... Even... Go ahead. Sorry. Even in that one season where Paul George missed almost the whole year, right. like, by the end, and George Hill even missed half the season that year, but... He had like almost the same per thirty six stats as Kyrie Irving that year. Oh. So obviously his although Kyrie Irving, I don't know how you'd rank him in uh point guards in terms of like 
top five or top ten or whatever, but still says a lot. George Hill averages the same stats as Kyrie Irving. He must be doing something right, so. Yeah, it's going to be interesting yeah. this summer because they're both going to get a contract. Like, George Hill didn't agree to an extension, so he's going to be a free agent. Teague's going to be a free agent. They were traded for each other, and they're going to be signing these contracts, and you can almost kind of put the two numbers up against each other and say, George Hill signed for this, Jeff Teague signed for this. It's almost like a referendum on the trade, like who's worth more. But you're right about the fact that, you know, if Jeff Teague is more likely to sign and stay, then maybe that makes the trade good, but... It's tough to say. How, yeah. When you talk about the Pacers, you have to talk about Paul George. Like he's the beginning and the end of almost everything they do, and he's there. He's the franchise player in a league that doesn't really even have thirty franchise players. But how does Jeff Teague pair up with Paul George? Do they do well together? Um, well, their net rating is uh, plus two point four, so I guess that's good. But it is kind of hard to tell if they have good chemistry because they both slumped at different times in the season. And plus, when Teague had one of his best stretches of the season, um, Paul George was hurt for like seven out of ten of his games and wasn't even active. So overall, like it's kind of hard to tell because you would say chemistry results in wins, but the Pacers had a really inconsistent this year, like before January, like in 2016, like they would just win, lose, win, lose, win, lose, and they, like, go on three-game winning streak and then lose four and, like, win two and then lose two and, like, win one (laughs) and, like, lose two and then win, like, three or four straight. And even in 2017, uh, we started out the year, I think, on December 30th, and then, like, the next seven games, we won, like, five out of seven, then we lost three straight, and then we won seven straight, and then we lost six straight before the All-Star break. And PG, uh, Paul George says that's because of, like, the chemistry and everything. And we've had certain people, uh, players, get injured at, like, inopportune times. And this is already a team with, like, three new starters, like Teague and Thaddeus Young, and then uh, Miles Turning off the bench last year. So, uh, three new starters. And um, just a lot of new guys, even off the bench, that weren't here last year. So. They're not really acclimated to each other in the first place. And then just stupid injuries make it even harder to get acclimated and get to chemistry. So I think everyone on the team has chemistry issues, not just uh, Jeff Teague and Paul George or really anyone with anyone in particular. But one thing I did see the other day ago, I don't get on Reddit that much, but I got on Reddit and (laughs) someone said that like they were, they knew Jeff Teague's cousin or something like that. And he was saying that like, Teague does not like Paul George that much and all this stuff. And I don't know how valid of a source of Reddit is, but I guess I wouldn't doubt it. And but then then again on the day of the trade deadline when PG was in all those talks, Teague was like, Well, he's the main, one of the main reasons that I wanted to come here and even though he was traded, like he still wanted to come here anyways because it's where he's from and he went to Pike High School and all that stuff. But yeah, I don't really know. I don't think I don't know if they have chemistry issues, but it's kind of hard to tell if anyone does just because they've been so up and down this season. So, Okay. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads to the next question, and maybe it kind of ties into the same answer, but how does Teague match up with Monte Ellis? Do they play well together, or is that not working out as well? Um, Well, Teague and Monte, that's not uh, very much spacing, and the Pacers aren't, 
are a pretty crappy shooting team, but I wouldn't say it has to do with T, but in general, just nothing really works when Monte's out there with anybody. <laughs> um, and he's actually been playing like really, like he's probably had his best start of games uh, over the last few games, even though they've been losing, like we lost six straight, even though he's playing well. And I'm just about to like pledge and give him a chance. I'm like, oh yeah, he's helping us now, but then he breaks the two games, <laughs> clenching free throws against the Spurs and we lost. Oh, so I don't even know. But I don't think you should judge T on if he matches up uh, as a combination well with Monte Ellis because Monte doesn't really uh, help anyone on the floor. Okay. Uh, and, and I know we need to talk about some things that aren't Jeff Teague, but uh, like I said, I'm I'm pretty intrigued by this homecoming. What would you expect out of Teague uh, Sunday when he plays his first game back in Atlanta? Um, I'm not. I don't really know. I don't really like to make predictions because I hate being wrong. And it's like, <laughs> oh, you're wrong, I remember. But like all kinds, all kinds of different players like have different performances in their first returns right. to former teams and like. Dwight Howard at Houston, like he had twenty and twenty in that like huge comeback win. Okay. And but anyway, like there's not really a way to predict. But I would say since it is a must-win game for the Pacers, I'm sure they'll lose. So that's all I expect. Who knows if Chiefs will play well, but it's a must-win, so they'll probably lose. So congrats on the win. <laughs> wow. Okay. When yeah, <laughs> I wasn't expecting anything that fatalistic. That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> <laughs> wow, when you said it's a must win, I have to say I thought you were going to say it's a must win, so I think Indiana will pull it out. Oh my. Okay. <laughs> it's like a really close game and like something like stupid, like Monte missing, missing two winning free throws and then Kawhi travels and gets the game winning. Yeah, whatever. Something stupid like that will probably happen. <laughs> That's just how it goes with Chasers, but yeah. So. <laughs> I was hinting at before that, you know, Paul George is really a franchise player and there aren't even enough franchise players to go around to the 30 teams. So that probably makes it pretty emotional as a person who follows the Pacers uh, to see that he's going to be traded. Um, what do you think about the idea of trading Paul George? Is that a good thing to try to do or no? Um, I'm not sure if it is the right choice, but I don't know because, like, I understand where everyone's coming from and saying he's probably going to leave. And, like, Larry Bird has tried to, like, make teams, build teams around him that are, like, faster and, like, get out and run more as opposed to, like, the like defensive team we used to be when we made those Eastern Conference Finals runs and all that. But uh-huh. um, just the pieces that are around him right now just don't all fit together. Like, and there's that. And then there's also the super max skill, which would – it's supposed to, like, with the new CBA, it's supposed to, like, give the incentive for stars to, like, stay with their teams okay. and not leave like Kevin Durant did. But um, to make to get the Supermax deal, he has to make an all-NBA team, and only six boards make the all-NBA team, and there's probably seven better than him right now. So unless, like, someone completely falls off or gets injured, uh, that would, he wouldn't be on an all-NBA team, so that wouldn't make him want to return more because he wouldn't even get all the extra money. And then there's also, like, last Thursday, uh, on the trade deadline day, um, that Sam Amick guy or whoever it was that reports for, I think it's 
the vertical or whatever it is. But I remember um, the tweet. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, Go ahead. he said like all NBA front offices have been informed prior to like an hour before the trade deadline at three that he was hell bent for Laker land, and that's why everyone <laughs> like took their offers off the table for him because he wants to go to LA. That's where he's from, even though he wasn't even a Lakers fan. He's just a Kobe fan, and he likes the Clippers and Warriors. But like, um, but yeah, everyone took their offers off the table because they thought that he, if they traded for him, he'd just leave for next for LA next summer. So I just don't really know. Because, like, I don't think it's looking that good for the future here. And that, like, like you said, emotional him makes me kind of sad. But there's not a lot of optimism. But I don't know. Just, I love Paul George. And I think he could be the best pacer ever if he just stuck around and we got more talent around him and added another star. But if that can't happen in the next two summers, which it could not happen in the next two summers, so it's not a very long time. And, but you don't want him to just leave for nothing in return. If sure. He, was leaving free agency, so you'd want to trade him instead of him walking and leaving us with nothing. So I would say if he's not having like a really good season next year where he's not a top six forward who would make the all NBA team and qualify for that supermax contract, which would give him incentive to stay more. And if the Pacers aren't doing well as a team, since he said he like wants to be on a winning team and contend for a championship again, which we have done in the past and he broke his leg and everything just apart kind of but I think if he's not uh, a top six forward and the pieces aren't that good next year um, I would have think you'd have to look at trading him because um, you can't just have him leave for nothing but I think it was the right choice for right now to not trade him this early because there's a lot of things that can happen over the course of like I guess like a year and a half until creating sure. next summer so yeah it's going to be interesting. It's funny that you mentioned that Amick tweet because it's like, you know, who everybody has to get their source from somewhere, and you think about that, and it's like, well, who's going to tell him that he really likes L.A.? And it, I mean, Pacers are Pacers are obviously saying that, and it's hard to even yeah. say like his own agency would say that because, you know, what's the motivation there? They're not going to trade him to L.A. because the Clippers can't trade for him, and the Lakers don't have enough to trade for him. So it it just feels like that that has to come from some team, some other team not in L.A., not the Pacers, that was trying to make a deal for him as as almost like a means of, like, driving the price down. Like, hey, you're going to lose him anyways. Why not just trade him for this? <laughs> I do not like those young Laker players, like D'Angelo. Like, I, I just don't think they're that good. I do not sure. like trade for them. I'd be very upset if that were to happen. Yeah, so you'd Mostly rather have, like, like picks. Paper, Magic Johnson thing makes them, like, have to – be offered for a lot more than that and not do a deal with Magic Johnson's team now, but yeah. That's true. We could have Magic Johnson trying to set up a trade with Larry Bird. That's yeah. bananas. That's bananas. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, someone brought that up <laughs> last week on Twitter. And I thought some tweet about, like, just imagine, like, uh, like, if someday, like, Westbrook or, like, LeBron and Curry all become, like, general managers or presidents or whatever, and they're, like, working out trades on the phone. It's just funny to think about stuff that's basically happening right now because uh, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, the rivals, so. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like <laughs> one more matchup between them. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so before we leave the idea of Paul George, I have to ask you, I think his 
his signature Nike shoe comes out, I want to say tomorrow. And of all things, um, because he likes fishing, some of the elements in the design of the shoe have some things to do with fishing. Are Are you rushing out to get a pair of Paul George's? Um, I honestly didn't even know that it had to do with fishing, but I'm not really a shoe person, so I, I'm not going to spend much money on some shoes, even though it is really cool how he has his own signature shoe now. Um, but I just know his Nike ones are releasing this weekend, I think, and that's cool, and fishing is cool, even though I've never been fishing, but hey, if Paul George likes fishing, then it must be cool, so <laughs> I guess that's good. <laughs> is the fishing good in L.A.? Does LA have? It doesn't seem like a place that have a big fishing scene, but maybe it does. You need to go, uh, need to go drown out all the water in LA, so it doesn't go there because you can't fish. So. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> who? I I can't think of too many uh, NBA Pauls. Who's the better Paul? Paul George or Paul Millsap? Um, I think I said you should answer first because you know more about Paul Millsap than I do, but. Oh, wow. Well, you mentioned before that Paul George was going for the Supermax contract, and to do it, he was going to have to get one of the uh, one of the spots on the three all-NBA teams, and there are six of them for the forwards. And I kind of think that one of the people that's going to be above him, at least this season, is Paul Millsap. So if you're looking at it from the perspective of just what's going on this season, I think you have to put, put Millsap uh, ahead. But at the same time, you know, if you look at what, one of those two guys is going to do over the next five years, you know, Paul George is a super duper star and he's younger. So like over the next five years, I think he's probably going to do a lot more. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, I didn't even think about how Paul Millsap can make the LNBA team over him, but did Paul Millsap, did he make the all-star team like automatically with the, a reserve vote, or did someone have to get injured for him to make it in? I can't remember. No, he made it in. Fight. In fact, one of the things in. one of the things that I got on people about at Twitter was, um, you know, Paul George and Paul Millsap made the All Star team both as reserves. So they both made it. At, they weren't starters, but they both made it as reserves. And of course, this this set the uh, the Philly Twitter sphere on fire because everybody was saying Embiid, 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 even though he played like 20 games and played like 20 minutes a game. And he, of course, Embiid is terrific. I get that, but he's not like a rock of a team the way that Paul George and Paul Millsap were. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he's and, and so Embiid. I kind of let him the All Star game, so I think he's probably a little bit funnier than Paul Millsap. It would have been just funny because, like, if Embiid would have made the All-Star team, like, there was some, like, thing about, like, a girlfriend, like, he would date him if he made the All-Star game. But, <laughs> anyway, I thought that up because that might have to do with, like, who ends up being chosen on the All-NBA team. But I agree uh, long-term that Paul George is probably better over, like, who do you want to start your team with. But Paul Millsap is pretty underrated not really that talk about that much so I think yeah. I'll just roll with what you said I, I think I agree with that and I think that it's hard to, to put what Paul Millsap does into words sometimes but I think the best argument for Paul Millsap is watching a Hawks game where he doesn't play <laughs> because yeah. the Hawks usually fall apart completely in his absence all right one other thing here do you miss Frank Vogel he seems like a pretty friendly guy a good coach and he was in Indiana for a long time uh is he missed there 
Um, yeah, I, I know I miss him. And I also get the feeling that uh, Rogue Pod misses us, too, because the Magic <laughs> are just a train wreck. And no one really talks about it, but their front office and, like, in terms of talent, they might have, like, the third, fourth roster in terms of talent and, like, the league because they don't have a lot left. Like, they have Fournier and Aaron Gordon. Yep. But um, other than that, like, they trade Oladipo and even the – the boss is kind of falling off the trade process. They still have a lot left on that, and they don't have that much talent. So I think Vogel probably, even though he was booted out in a pretty uh, not cool way by uh, Larry Bird, I think even in spite of that, probably misses Indiana too, and Paul George since they were close and all that. So, yeah, I miss yeah. Frank Vogel. Uh, he's better than Nathan Miller. I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have to say that you're, you're right about the Vogel thing. It's like when Frank Vogel was in Indiana, it's like Frank Vogel's the coach, and he coaches the Pacers, and the Pacers are a defensive team, and they had that identity. It's like now it's Frank Vogel is in Orlando, and it's it's not only Frank Vogel is in Orlando, and they don't have an identity. It's like they don't even have a roadmap to like try to go find an identity. It's like what are they trying to put together, and nobody really knows. Yeah, and the reason that Vogel was fired was because, like, he, like, Larry Bird didn't think that he was doing enough. Was like, it's like he thought they could go farther, like, in the playoffs and stuff, even though sure. it took a two, three, seven game. But it's kind of more has to do with what Bird put around Vogel. And uh, those uh, parts on the team weren't exactly built to succeed. And I think he did better than he could have otherwise. But Yeah, know, and whatever. I think. I think I think there's a good parallel between Bird's playing career and how Bird how Bird looked at the coaches that coached him versus you know how he looks at the coaches that work for him as a general manager because when he was a player you know he said that you know sometimes the the Celtics would tune out their coaches like they had Bill Fitch and I think you know after a few years of dealing with Bill Fitch and he was kind of a a loud you know ex Marine drill sergeant type you know, he said that, you know, after a few years, the players just tune out the coach and they don't really hear him anymore. And when you when you heard Bird talk about Vogel and why he let Vogel go, it was like the he things that, the, yeah, the things that Bird said yeah. in 1983 were like the exact same things he was saying about Vogel in 2016. Yeah, that's a good point. I want to take a minute to talk about today's sponsor, Poli Mortgage Group. Poli Mortgage Group encourages people to shop rates when they're looking to refinance or buy a new home. They have some of the lowest rates in the country and some of the lowest closing costs, too. They'll even give you a quote where they'll credit you money towards your closing costs or cover all of them. Check them out at www.polimortgage.com. That's www.polimortgage.com. Or call 781-232-8000. Make sure to tell them that ATL and 29 sent you to receive a credit of $50 towards your closing costs. Offers cannot be combined with other offers. Poli Mortgages, Rates, Integrity, Service. All licensing information is in the show notes. Poli is an equal housing lender. Well, the last time I checked, the Pacers were uh, the team behind the Hawks in the standings. Uh, what would the Pacers have to do over the last 25 or so games to, to catch the Hawks? Um, in the standings, I think right now they're uh, three and a half games back of them, okay. and the Hawks have played one less game than them. But okay. uh, I haven't really even been looking at that much. I'm kind of trying to like, avoid it because I don't like we're in a losing slump right now. 
I certainly want to see, like how anyone was, think about missing the playoffs. But I don't think they're going to catch the Hawks because they're just really inconsistent this season. And they have a tough schedule the rest of the way, pretty much. So, um, and the way the season is gone, even if we did like win like seven straight or something like that and pass the Hawks in standings for like a game, we'd probably lose five straight after because that's pretty much how the season's gone. So, I don't think they could catch the Hawks, but even if they do, I don't think they keep their holding in the standings. Okay. Do the Hawks have a tough schedule the rest of the way, or is it favorable, or what? It- it's kind of a mix. Um, it's funny that, you know, when they had a weird schedule, I think, that the, the Hawks did in that, like, there were months where they played a lot of, you know, subpar, sub-500 teams, but they would play them in such a way that the games were so closely scheduled together that just the timing of them became a disadvantage. And so the Hawks, like right now, are playing some really great teams, but it's on a nice kind of consistent homestand where there's kind of a day off between games. And so I think if you look at the Hawks' schedule from here on out, it's kind of friendly in terms of home games. It's friendly in terms of rest, but it's unfriendly in terms of they're going to have a very high level of competition. They're going to be playing a lot of uh, games against, you know, Boston and Cleveland and a lot of playoff teams. So uh, they're going to be playing good teams, but they're going to be playing them in – and kind of friendly setups. Okay, yeah. And the Pacers are on a really long road trip right now. Like, they we only have, like, two home games since before the All-Star break, and the next home game isn't even until next Wednesday. So, Oof. yeah, but, we, like, I don't even – I think we play the Spurs and the Rockets, and uh, just, there's some, like – top teams in there, but we just have a lot of road games, and we've been really bad on the road this season, so we have a pretty rough schedule, at least the rest of, like, March, so. So, keeping that in mind, do you think the Pacers will be able to hold off the teams below them? I think they should be able to stay ahead of Detroit, and actually, okay, so it's Detroit and Miami and, like, Milwaukee and Charlotte are in the 8 to 12, and Detroit is only two games back, Miami is three games back, and Milwaukee and Charlotte are five and six. So, I'm seventh seed right now, so I think we should be able to hold it, but I'm not. There's no way to predict, because they're so inconsistent, like, you don't even know, so. Okay. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Dwight Howard for a minute. Um, you know, he's he gets a lot of grief <laughs> from the media. And, you know, maybe some of it's a little bit deserved in that, you know, sometimes he's a little bit short with short answers and sometimes he's a little bit, you know, a little bit of a, little bit of a goofball or something like that. But, um, you know, he was pretty candid this week talking about um, – you know, the type of training that he does. And I don't think he gets enough credit for that. You know, he's on the wrong side of 30. And yet, you know, in terms of conditioning and how he keeps himself in shape, he's in like immaculate shape. (laughs) And he works really hard to be one of the strongest players in the NBA. I just wanted to play this clip of him talking about what he does to train during the off season versus what he does to train during the season. The most important thing that you have to do, like I said, is, is work smart. How much weight work do you do during the season compared to, like, say, the off season? 
How does it compare? Season, you can lift almost every day. Um, and that's really what prepares you for the season. You know, So the off-season is probably more important than the season because that's the time when you really have to get ready. Um, during the season, uh, sometimes it could be two times a week, sometimes it could be three, just depending on the schedule. Um, but it's always about how smart you work. You know, like I said earlier, um, you can work hard, but it's not about how long you stay in the gym. You got to be smart about what you're doing, and that causes that. That gives you longevity in this league. Um, it's working smart. It's, a lot of times you can work hard, you can be in the gym all day. People can say gym rats and all that stuff. That's great. Um, but if you don't take care of your wheels, a couple of years the wheels gonna fall off. Does that change from when you were younger? Uh, yeah, you know, when I was younger, I used to stand in the gym all day thinking that that was gonna be great. Um, but as I got older, I realized that it's more than just standing in the gym. You know, I have to be able to take care of my body, and that's making sure I have the right trainers, making sure you have the right therapist to to really help with your body. Um, and one of the biggest areas that people don't discuss is the mind. You know, you gotta be able to take care of your mind. So you need people to help you with that side of basketball too. Like I said, I don't think that Dwight gets enough credit for how he's really sort of made himself the strongest player in the league. I mean, I think kind of people kind of take that for granted and they say, well, Dwight, he's a big guy. But, you know, I think he really works at it. And, you know, that helps him rebound. That helps him set really big screens, which is one of the things I wrote about this week for Hawks.com. And I think it actually works against him sometimes especially in the regular season with some calls, you know, when there's, when there's contact and there's a little guy and there's a big guy, everybody looks at the big guy and says, well, what'd you do to the little guy? You know, you must've fouled him. <laughs> so, you know, I'm interested in is the, what I'm interested in as far as the Pacers go is, you know, how is the physical development of Miles Turner is, you know, since the time that he got to the Pacers as a rookie to now the middle of his second season, has he added on weight or got stronger? Um, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Uh, on defense, though, like, he tends to sometimes, like, go for the blocks too much. Okay. And I feel like as long as he's not getting a shot blocked, maybe it's just, like, from looking up above in my section of the arena, it just looks like he seems to not be totally, uh, like, bulked up on, like, to, like, on defense. But um, I think he has added on. Uh, strength, but he needs to get more because I feel like it could be a lot uh, better on defense if he would do that. So, yeah. So, you know, going forward, um, and, you know, again, maybe you have to project, like, is he going to get heavier or stronger? But do you think that he's going to be a power forward? Or do you think he's going to be a center, like, let's say, two, three years from now? Um, I think they want to keep him at center, but it just depends on what kind of people we bring in to get help around PG and the team and everything. But I think they want to keep them, keep him at center, so that's what I would project. Okay. Well, uh, did you have any questions for me? I think you hinted at one before we we started. Um, yeah, so since you asked me about like, George Hill versus Teague, who would you want or like who's better – um, I could ask you, uh, Al Horford or Dwight, who's better for the Hawks? Who's better overall? Who do you take? It's tricky. You know, I think, you know, they do completely different things. So, you know, you've got Dwight. He's so strong. 
he's such a good rebounder and he's really good around the rim because he's strong and he has long arms he, he protects the rim really well so that's what Dwight does and then you've got Al who's a really great passer he's a good shooter you know he can pump fake off of his shot and dribble towards the rim and you know he's also probably a good leader he was kind of a leader in the Hawks locker room and so it's tough to pick between those two you know I th- I think it's almost like an apples and oranges thing when somebody asked me about it at the beginning of the season I thought that you know, the Hawks are going to be a little bit more of a mess during the regular season. Um, you know, I don't think their offense was, or I didn't think that their offense was going to be particularly pretty, and it hasn't been. Um, but at the same time, I think if you've got Dwight Howard, even if you are a little bit more of a mess in the regular season, you might be better in the playoffs when the game slows down and it gets more physical and there's more pushing and the rebounds are harder to come by and there's a day off between every game. I think that kind of plays into Dwight's hands a little bit. I think they could, you know, make a run in the way that the Rockets made a run to the conference finals a couple of years ago behind Dwight and James Harden. I I think they could make that kind of same push. So I think on the regular season, it's going to be a little bit worse. But I think in the playoffs, Dwight Howard might be a little bit better. Okay, yeah. And the people are always talking about how Al Horford, like, Against the uh, against the Cavs and everything, like he doesn't get very many rebounds and he kind of disappears there. So that could be a that makes sense. So. And it's, yeah, and it's going to be interesting, you know, especially if the Cavs play the Celtics in the playoffs this season. Mm-hmm. You know, if if Cavs Celtics looks like Cavs Hawks has looked for the last couple of seasons, I think the Boston fans are going to be frustrated with that result. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Now Horford's in the Lump right now, or maybe he's just not. I don't know. But everyone's like talking about 114 million or whatever it was, and he's like having a bad stretch right now. So, but the photo food juicy, so I find to find it hard to complain unless he's looking for someone to But yeah, you can't pick that part too much, right? Yeah. All right. So, uh, Peyton, you can follow Peyton on Twitter. She is at that's underscore so underscore Peyton P-A-Y-T-O-N Peyton thank you so much for joining us today I really appreciate you taking the time to come talk about Pacers yeah thanks for inviting me I guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah very fun excellent thank you and thanks to our sponsor Poli Mortgage Group Poli Mortgage's rates integrity service 